Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Thank you for coming to church this morning. It's great to be in Christchurch. I'm, I'm becoming a fast lover of the city. Good food, good people, good church. Come on. And this morning, you know, um, as uh, Pastor Jono has shared, um, I am part of the Revolution Tour, and it's a great honor um, to have your church um, ask us to come and to come into the city and come into the school's environment because, you know what, I just believe that nothing can challenge the light, that Jesus is undefeatable, that nothing can, can challenge the light and the victory of God, but the darkness can go unchallenged. And so, you know, as we come into these environments and schools, you know, we're not able to preach the gospel, which I would love to do, but we can bring spiritual authority and declare the peace of God and that in that drop and that touch of the presence of heaven that people would become become thirsty for the kingdom of God. And so we would really, really appreciate your prayers over the next couple of days as we go into seven different schools across the city. Um, it's going to be a great time. And I just, I love the testimonies that come out. They're, they're always unexpected. Um, and probably my favorite one just in this season is a young girl. She was um, 11 years old attending an intermediate and she kind of texted um, after a program and just said, you know, I really needed to hear that, that life can get better. Um, my dad committed suicide. Uh, three months ago. And you know, this is the stuff that's happening in our city. And, and I've decided that I want to be a person that not only knows the victory of Jesus in my own life, but come on, I'm going into the community and into the spaces around me. And I want to challenge the darkness, not because of any light I carry, <laughs> but because I'm simply reflecting the light of God. Amen. That's a whole nother sermon and I'll get distracted, but thank you so, so much for hosting us and the team. It's great to be with you guys um, here over the next few days. But, but uh, we're in the middle of a, uh, a series on what works. And you know what I'm convinced works is Jesus. Is anyone else convinced that Jesus works? Like genuinely convinced, like tell yourself regularly that Jesus works. And so that's a very short sermon, but I thought I would expand on that a little bit further. And uh, this morning, I just want to share uh, probably a, a big chunk of my life testimony, but it's simply this, forgiveness works. And it's not a, it's not a topic that we love talking about, but um, because if I'm honest, I'd rather forget then forgive. But I really believe that, come on, if we're going to build our life on the solid rock of Jesus and allow whatever lean-tos that might be attached to the house to fall because they're on sand, I believe one of the areas that I found absolutely key to moving some of these things on sand onto the rock is in forgiveness. And so this morning, I want to take us on a bit of a journey. I hope to convince you that forgiveness works in Jesus' name. And so, you know what, as I share my story, it's simply to say, man, I don't have any light of my own. I do not have this all perfected, but I've got 20 years of experience in going in this direction of forgiveness, and I have seen the faithfulness and the kindness of God in this area. So I'm believing that chains are going to break this morning, that where things have been struggling 
sinking and feeling like they're on sand and just falling apart, that Jesus is going to help us pick some of that up, put it on the rock on the firm foundation of Him and rebuild in Jesus' name. Is that all right, church? Cool. So just to convince you, um, you know what? I want to say I do love forgiveness, especially when I need it. You know, I am the oldest, I have one other sibling, and I kind of lived my teenage years like it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. (laughs) There's a couple of believers in the room. Uh, Did anyone else live their teenage? No? Okay, just me, all right, in the brochure. (laughs) But you know, I definitely lived in that kind of way, and I've got to say, I love forgiveness in those times and seasons. Um, You know, in Psalm 86, verse 5, it says, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. What a verse. Come on, forgiveness works. The King of heaven is waiting and wants to forgive. In Psalm 103, verse 12, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. They never meet. Our sins are gone in Jesus' name when we come to Jesus and when we surrender ourselves. In Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I love these scriptures. I'm so grateful that forgiveness works. And if you're new to this environment of church, can I tell you that you don't have to live under guilt or shame because there is free forgiveness that works and wants to break every chain in your life. And I hope that most of us in this space love that and know that, man, I am so grateful for the forgiveness of God because forgiveness works. It has set me free that I now no longer have to live in guilt and shame. But the other side of forgiveness (laughs) that I'm not such a fan of (laughs) is when I need to forgive. (laughs) I don't know, I haven't met too many people that are like really excited at the opportunity to forgive. I, uh, I've done 10 years in Rotorua recently, and so I lived there for 10 years, and I've got to tell you, it's a beautiful city, and there's no traffic in Jesus' name. It's heaven. It's so great. People moan about waiting five minutes at the stoplights. I'm like, man, you have no idea, because I've just moved back two years ago to Auckland, and there's traffic, and there is plenty of opportunities to forgive. <laughs> And you know what? It's amazing how you begin to preach a sermon like this, and suddenly it's like every insane person on the road suddenly is coming past you. I think I've been bumped by two different trucks in the last month, and um, just, you know, people cutting you off, and you're like, man, I've never once been like, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to forgive. I'm working on that becoming my natural response. The flesh is still alive and kicking the whofano. But this morning, I really wanted to just be really honest and open up one of the biggest areas for and keys to me finding freedom in Jesus. Because see, we love to sing about it. I want nothing but the truth. But then the truth, when when it looks like, oh, Jesus actually says we need to forgive, it's kind of like a whole nother story. (laughs) And that's where I found sometimes those lean-tos are built off the rock and onto the sand. Because we want to forget, not forgive. But this morning, I just before I dive into some of my story, I wanted to clarify for us and bring some good, solid biblical foundation that it's not my idea to forgive, 
but it's actually something that we're commanded to do in Scripture. So we're going to gallop through these. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. But when you are praying... First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others it will, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Colossians 3 verse 13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I don't know about you, but there's occasionally this temptation in my heart that I'd like to edit the Bible. <laughs> Just a couple of things, you know, that I don't know if I feel are so incredibly necessary. <laughs> but in my own experience, I've discovered uh, that God knows best. <laughs> So if you get anything out of this sermon, Jesus works, God knows best. But here's the deal, that in this area of forgiveness, man, if we want freedom, so, so often I've discovered in the circles that I work, walk in, it's on the other side of forgiveness. And you know what, if that's not an issue for you, I can almost guarantee it's an issue for someone in your community. Because see, the ability to not want to let go when we've been wronged is a very human one. Because we don't want to go through that pain again. We, we feel very indignant. I've never struggled to forgive someone when I haven't been hurt. I only ever need to forgive when there's been a pain or an offense or something that's come against me. So I just want to say from the start, I don't want to trivialize anyone's pain. Because, you know, in this area of forgiveness, I don't know why, but sometimes as adults, we think that it needs to be this easy thing that we don't struggle with. So rather than talking about, hey, I'm really struggling to forgive in this season, we actually just try and forget. But the problem with that is then we still have lean-tos on the sand. And when the, when, um, the life shakes us, things begin to crumble because we haven't got freedom in Jesus. We haven't built that space on, our, on the rock, if that makes sense. I'm confusing my metaphors. But anyway, um, my life verse is Romans 8, 28, and it's this. We know that God causes everything. Say everything. All right, okay. I reckon we yelled louder at the All Blacks last night. All right, can you say everything? To work together for the good of those who love God in accord according to his purpose for them. You know, this morning I can take the stage and talk about forgiveness confidently because for 20 years I've been running in the direction of forgiveness. I, I had the absolute honor and privilege of being saved at 11 years old. And uh, I had begun this journey and came across some of those verses in the Bible and they honestly terrified me. Because I was like, man, I so want the forgiveness of God. But some of those verses actually say the qualifying factor is my ability to forgive. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> so I just ignored a big chunk of Scripture for a while. But today I want to stand on the stage, give God all the glory, and say forgiveness works. 
that 20 years of running in the same direction, you can get to a stage where you actually mean it, you actually feel like it, and you actually are experiencing the freedom because of it. And so this morning, I just wanted to um, share some of my life story. I grew up in quite a chaotic home. I went to six different schools, moved house at least once a year. So I think it was like around 32, 33 times I've moved. I'm 31 years old, so more than once a year on average. And there was a lot of control and manipulation. My dad had grown up in a really difficult environment and he simply took his emotional pain and it landed on those closest to him. I was incredibly broken, incredibly angry, And I started to become quite an out-of-control 11-year-old. And so my mum, being a Bible-believing, faithful woman, she wasn't in church herself, but she decided I was going to church. (laughs) So on a Friday night, (laughs) she rocked up to this youth group she'd found somewhere online. She dumped me at the door. I was 11 years old and said, I'll pick you up in two hours and left. (laughs) And uh, so I was two years too young to even be there. (laughs) I'm sure the youth leaders were real excited. I was sitting in the back row, and I just remember, I don't remember the preacher, I don't remember what was said, but I just remember being like, man, God, if you're real, I don't know if you seem to be aware of what's happening down here, but life is pretty crazy. But equally, I don't want to be wrong, (laughs) so I'll give you a shot. And what I love about God is in all of our sass and all of our wisdom and all of our doubt and confusion and pain, He is so loving that He doesn't demand that we approach Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He just asks us for us to open our heart. And so in that space, uh, on a Friday night at 11 years old, I found myself responding to a salvation altar call. I was down the front and in the space of five minutes, gave my heart to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Because Jesus knew I was sassy and it needed to happen all right there. (laughs) And so in that moment, at 11 years old, I'm now filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in this weird language. Like Christians, we do some weird things sometimes. Like, come on, thank you, Jesus, they work. And in this space, I now know without a shadow of a doubt, God is real. I'm still not 100% sure how much he cares about what's happening down here in my world. But I'm filled with this overwhelming love, so he must care. And in that space and in that encounter, I now knew God was real, but, um, but the thing was, I didn't instantly have this breakthrough in this area of pain in my life. You know, I would love it if we got to come to Jesus and instantaneously everything fell off. I mean, that's the ideal, and I've offered that suggestion upstairs multiple times. He has not taken it on because he wants to walk with us hand in hand through life as we rebuild our brokenness. And so for me, my experience was now I know God is real. He loves me. I'm going to have to begin to choose to trust him in every area of my life. And to be honest, through most of my teenage years, how I dealt with that was just forget instead of forgive. But I remember when I was about 15 years old, I was asked to uh, share a testimony, and um, I was too scared to get on stage and, and 
like pretend like my whole life was together. So I spent the entire week being like, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, <laughs> just trying to convince myself, I think, more than anything else. And I started this journey of going, man, I know that forgiveness matters in the Word of God, so I'm going to keep choosing to trust God in this direction. And so I had to keep choosing, keep laying down my anger, and at the very least, find one thing I could celebrate about my dad. So I went on this journey, and I've been on this journey where I'm just going to keep choosing in every moment, in every circumstance, I choose forgiveness. I choose to trust Jesus. I choose to believe that this is going to get easier. I choose to believe that God is faithful, and He will come through, and these chains are breaking in Jesus' name. I choose to believe that God loves me, and He sees me, and if He tells me to forgive, it's for my freedom. And as I've gone on this 20-year journey, I've experienced more and more freedom. But it hasn't been a journey without its struggle. Because forgiveness does work. But man, it's hard. You know, the last time I saw my dad, he'd actually come to hear me preach. And it was such an honor that he was there and um, awesome to have him in the room. Because I always want to honor my family. My dad did and has done the best he could with what he had. And I can say that now as a 31-year-old that's experienced more freedom in Jesus. But in other seasons of my life, I couldn't see that or acknowledge that. But the last time I saw him, he had come to hear me preach, and we'd gone out to lunch, and I can't even remember the exact details, but he got offended over something I'd said and just begins to yell at me at pub- in public in the mall in Rotorua as other members of the church I'm the associate pastor of and walking past. And I was just like, Jesus, I don't know if I can keep doing this journey. And, you know, it's been a difficult, difficult thing to continue to choose. And so I want to acknowledge that today. But it's been one of the best decisions I could make to trust Jesus with my whole life. Uh, And at the beginning of 2021, I received a phone call from my mum. My parents were living in Australia at the time. I didn't hear from them very regularly. Um, But she she rang me in about April, I think it was, and just said, hey, uh, Dad's had um, a cancer diagnosis, and uh, it's terminal. And I was just like, okay, like, what are they saying? And they're like, oh, well, he actually got the diagnosis in January. Um, but we're just letting you know now, and he doesn't have too long. And I just remember being like instantly so angry that this is still the state of our family and inability to communicate. But like, man, I need to get this forgiveness thing kind of sorted. And I ended up having a conversation with my dad on the phone. He hardly ever got on the phone, so that's a miracle in itself. But just as I was standing in the Queen Street offices of Equippers in Auckland, just talking to my dad and being able to say, hey, dad, you know, I I love you. Because the truth is that I'm only ever so angry or being hurt because I so desire a relationship with him. And uh, in the middle of all of that, you know, just really experience God's peace and presence walking alongside of me. But the other thing I found so incredibly helpful, if you want forgiveness to work in your life, you need a community of people to support you in that. Like it's easy to forgive the person who cut me off in traffic. Well, actually, I probably forget that easier than I forgive. But but for this deep life stuff, 
We need our community to come around us and love on us and support us through this journey because there's no way I could have done that season by myself. And, you know, actually one, one uh, Monday morning I woke up and um, it had been funny because on the Sunday afternoon I'd felt the Holy Spirit tell me to look up flights to Australia and I was like, nah, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you argue with the Holy Spirit, I suggest you lose. But um, if you're like me, I just chose to go to bed. <laughs> so we can discuss this in the morning. <laughs> um, and uh, that, that Monday morning at 6 a.m. I woke up and I just got a text to say um, my dad had passed. And it was, it was a really big shock because mum had been telling us he'd, he'd been improving. And, and the immediate text after that was, don't come. And I was just like, I don't know, Jesus, if you've chosen the right person <laughs> to pursue you in this area. Because you told me, <laughs> have you ever been in those situations when you're reading the right act to God? <laughs> I most certainly did. <laughs> and I'm telling Jesus everything that I'm sure he's fully aware of. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you've picked the wrong person. This is too painful. I don't think I can do this. But, you know, I got to sit with some great people and people loving and supporting me in this season. And two days later, my mom rings me and goes, actually, can you come and can you take his funeral? <laughs> only God can do turnarounds like that. And only God could soften my heart because now I'm like, no. <laughs> you want to see the sassy 11-year-old come right on out? <laughs> Here she is. And, you know, in the middle of all of that, I just want to tell you that God is so, so good. He promises that everything works together for good. And so I got the opportunity to sit with my father's body and just really Holy Spirit-led. It wasn't planned. It was just me and him for probably about a good hour. I just <laughs> told him everything I was ever angry at. But at the end of every sentence, just completely, honestly, Holy Spirit-led because it wasn't up to me. <laughs> I just said, but I choose forgiveness. I choose Jesus. I choose to believe that God has the best for me. I choose to believe that everything works out together for good. And in that space, can I tell you that one of the most divine things that I've ever experienced happened where I just felt like God was like, now nah, here's your freedom. Because here for 19 years at this point, I've been going, I choose forgiveness. I choose Jesus. But never really feeling like that. But knowing that, come on, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Cho forgiveness is something I can actively choose despite how I feel about the situation. Because I'm in charge of me, not my feelings. <laughs> And in that moment, suddenly I actually experience what it's like to go, wow, I feel like I've forgiven. And the next day as I got up to lead his funeral, I could honestly say from stage, Dad, we love you and we release you. Because what was crazy amongst all of that was that my dad was a Christian. And so I had been like, God, how can this reality work? But I had to choose to say, I choose to trust you and release everything else. 
And you know what's cool is now my mom is in church every week. Uh, she's actually serving in two, two churches because she lives in Outback Australia. So it's like an hour drive to church anywhere. Um, and sometimes they're not always on. So anyway, she's joined two to make up for lost time. She's playing keys. She did a testimony the other week. And I was like, man, I would have loved to have heard that. <laughs> but you know, it's so, so cool to see God work. My sister, who hadn't spoken to my parents in seven years, has now just agreed to have dinner with my mom. And she's, you know, she talks to my mom on the phone like maybe once a month, which is unbelievable that in the middle of all of this, that God is taking care of everything and everything works together for good. So here we go. I just want to encourage us around a couple of things this morning and give you a practical, some practical tips. But the, the most important thing I just wanted to say is that forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an active choice that I'm choosing God. And I love this passage in Luke chapter 23 because I can promise you, without having personally conversed with um, God face to face on this, that I do not believe Jesus felt like forgiving. In Luke chapter 23, verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then it goes on. I reckon with 100% accuracy that Jesus did not feel like offering forgiveness. Father, forgive them. But yet he chooses in the most difficult, personally and publicly painful time, physically painful, relationally painful, spiritually painful. Come on, every area of his body and his life up until this moment, nothing compares to the pain that he was in in this moment. And he chooses to say, Father, forgive them. I actually can't think of a qualification where I can say that unforgiveness is acceptable. And I don't say that to hurt anyone or to offend anyone, but I say that because I truly believe that Jesus modeled the life that will give us freedom. And I want to encourage us that I refuse to live in a way that says the blood of Jesus isn't enough. That the blood of Jesus, that the sacrifice that he gave in this moment isn't enough to cover the pain that I've been through. I refuse to stay the same and not to move forward. I remember having this conversation with an older woman in our, in our congregation in Rotorua, and she just said to me, she didn't mean uh, to hurt me by this, but she just said, um, you'll always be like that because of what's happened in your family. And just again, just Holy Spirit, I just turned around. And I was just like, I refuse. I refuse to say I'll always be here. I'll always be in this place. I'll always feel this way. I choose Jesus. I refuse to live in a way that says the blood of Jesus isn't enough because it is enough. And so therefore, I'm going to keep walking forward out of every painful situation, out of every ingrained habit. I'm going to continue to choose to trust, to keep moving forward. And over the last 20 years, you know what I've discovered? I've actually forgiven. 
But it was only because there'd been 19 years of I choose, I choose. I'm going to keep choosing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep believing. And suddenly I turned around and discovered, and I feel like I have that moment of breakthrough. See, chains are breaking all of the time, but sometimes we don't see the evidence of it until 19 years down the road. But I'm not going to deny that, come on, in that first time when I was like 15 years old and I was too scared to get on the stage unless I at least did a couple of karakia about forgiveness or something, that was the first time chains broke. (laughs) But I had to keep choosing to break each chain and each link in the chain until one day I'm standing and going, man, there's no more. But even in the midst of that, I say this has been a miracle 20 years in the making because even though he passed a year ago, there's still moments where the enemy would stir and try to bring back some of that. And it's like, no, no, I choose. No, no, I choose. And so it's going to be the 20-year miracle. It's going to be the 30-year miracle. It's going to be the 40-year miracle until it gets to a point where I don't even need to think about it. It's not even a reality anymore. But until that moment, I'm going to choose to trust Jesus. I'm going to choose to live in a way where the blood of Jesus is enough. I refuse to remain a victim. I refuse to always be in this place. Come on, there's freedom for people this morning. And maybe it'll be the first link in the chain and maybe it'll be the last, I don't know. And then sometimes, you know what? I've got friends where in a moment of surrendering and crying out to God, He has come through and in that moment and completely wiped all unforgiveness. Man, that would be the testimony I'd prefer to have. (laughs) But you know what? For whatever reason, Jesus has chosen for my testimony to be me walk hand in hand through this journey of seeing the entire chain broken, link by link. And so the first thing I want, not the first thing, so this morning, I want to encourage us, we all have stuff we need to forgive. I was telling Pastor Jono just before the sermon, um, I don't necessarily love doing this sermon um, because it's always tested. (laughs) And um, it's like, man, I've got to get ready, ready to, to walk out what I just said from stage. <laughs> and you know what? If you're going to walk out uh, forgiveness, there usually is a reason you might need to forgive. <laughs> and so here's a couple of things I found helpful to hold in mind on this journey of forgiveness. Forgiveness is surrendering control to Jesus. It's not saying that it's okay It's not saying this behavior is acceptable and should keep going on, but it is saying, I choose to give you control, Jesus. I love to sing the songs that we sang this morning. I often wonder if I'm a liar, though. Because we sing like, I want nothing but the truth. (laughs) We know the truth is you. You know, and and then and then there comes these moments where you know we sing, I give you my whole life. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, Yeah, what about that area over there? And I'm like, not that one. <laughs> and so I want to encourage us that forgiveness is surrendering control to Jesus in every area of our life, not just the comfortable, easy ones. As I've said before, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's trusting God. It's trusting God that He says everything works together for good. So I don't see how this is going to work together for good. I could not see this moment, even maybe three, four years ago. But it's in that believing and trusting that everything is going to work together for good. Now my pain actually has the ability to stand here and declare God's glory, to declare God's forgiveness. And man, I wouldn't trade that. 
I've got to work for nine years in Rotorua with gang kids, something that I have no personal experience in, kids that are going through really difficult situations. Do you know how I could relate with them? Because I know what it is to be angry and to, to hold on to unforgiveness. No, nothing compares in our walks of life. It's night and day but I could relate and work in these spaces because I know what it's like to be so angry and out of control. So everything works together for good. I'm going to leave the details to him and choose to trust in him. But forgiveness isn't trust. Trust is something that needs to be earned. And if you're offering forgiveness towards a person, it doesn't mean I'm saying you now need to trust them. See, I had active boundaries with my, my dad. Uh, we would go out and have lunch in public. We would go for coffee. I'd happily go for a walk. I'd meet him at church. He wasn't going to come to my house. Because the last time I'd allowed him to come to my house, I think I'd been like 17 or 18 where I was living at the time, and um, it had gone not great, and I'd used a lot of four-letter words that I cannot say in this space. <laughs> And so I just decided, look, neither of us can behave well <laughs> when we're in the space. <laughs> we're both fiery personalities. So let's actually just save ourselves some pain and put ourselves in public where we're much more likely to behave. <laughs> You'll notice I didn't yell back at him in the mall. <laughs> I would have at home. <laughs> and so you know what? I wasn't saying in this journey of forgiveness, I'm going to trust you to come straight back into my life in every area, however you want. No, no, trust is earned, but forgiveness is free. And so I chose to forgive, but I still needed to have practical boundaries in my world to make sure I'm okay. So forgiveness brings freedom for you in that space. Research shows that forgiveness is linked to improved mental health, it's also improved physical health, and physical benefits seem to increase with age. So forgiveness affects our whole well-being. Now I do Revolution Tour, and we use the model of Tefari Tapafar um, as we go into high schools, um, and we're we're caring about their whole well-being, which also means we get to care about their spiritual well-being. But anyway, that's a whole other side story. But I, what I've discovered as I've preached the sermon and looked more and more into forgiveness and unforgiveness is it affects everything. If you want to be a free eighty-year-old, I suggest you start the journey of forgiveness now. Because as I keep saying, man, it was 19 years to be able to get on a stage and not lie at my dad's funeral. It wasn't that one-week moment and encounters and prayers that did happen, which I was so, so grateful for. It was the fact that I'd started, basically, from the time I was saved at 11, to begin this journey of trusting Jesus and therefore forgiving. There is no shame and struggling. If you've ever felt or thought that because now you're a Christian, forgiveness is supposed to be like that, I just want to say that's not my personal experience. Struggling to forgive is okay. I reckon I'd been on staff in the Rotorua church maybe three or four years before I could get out of bed on a Father's Day, turn up to a service, and be okay. 
And you know what was crazy is that I silly believed because I was a Christian, I shouldn't struggle with this. I should be free. So instead of telling anyone in my world, the reason I'm sick every Father's Day is because I feel like my emotional plane is on a platter. When as soon as I had that conversation, they were able to support me, love me, and I found myself in the house on Father's Day celebrating that, come on, he is the perfect father who will never leave us or forsake us, and he promises everything works together for good. But it was me actually allowing my community to support me and admitting I was struggling. I don't really love Father's Day because it felt like it was highlighting what I didn't have. But I allowed them to take me on a journey to love me through that space to go, oh, but I can come to the house of God and celebrate that, man, I have this perfect father. And my other, my other kind of tip for this whole thing of forgiveness is simply this. Forgiveness is going in the same direction for a long time. When we're talking about the deep stuff, it, it's, it's not necessarily going to be overnight, which I've said. But it's choosing to walk in the same direction until you discover, oh, wow, I've moved this entire way. So here we go. Here's my top tips on how to forgive. My kuro says, don't you ever preach a sermon full of ideas? Give them some hows. <laughs> so here's the hows. You know what? How to forgive is, pre- is not pretending like it didn't happen. If you're pretending like it didn't happen, you're trying to go with the forgetting, not the forgiving. And I would suggest, come on, acknowledge what's going on in your world. Not to everyone, but to a few key people, maybe an e-group leader, maybe some of the pastoral team, so that you can actually acknowledge it, face it, and continue to move forward through it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. I've never found in my own flesh, in my own will, that I want to forgive. (laughs) I need God's support and help and love. And so asking for people to pray for me, to have those encounters where I hand over everything I'm trying to control and do in my own strength and ask the Holy Spirit to help. So in those spaces of prayer and encounter, handing over the things I'm trying to hold on to. I found having honest conversations where you're actually showing up and being truly vulnerable, staying connected in these difficult spaces has been absolutely life-changing. You know, it was Pastor Steve Graham. I'd got the text on Monday morning that my dad had passed and my mum didn't want us to come. Not because she hated us, I just want to qualify that, but because she knew the state and the pain and she just didn't want any of it on her doorstep. And so Monday morning that happened. Wednesday morning, mum rang. I was like, oh, now can you come and take the funeral? And I was sitting in Steve Graham's office and um, I was like, this is unbelievable. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to be a Christian in this space. And he just said to me, look me in the eye, and he just said, you'll regret not doing it. And it was just a really helpful community-based comment that actually shaped the rest of that week and the breakthrough I'd been seeking for years because I was in community. I showed up. I was really vulnerable. I said, "I'm hey, I'm struggling. And I allowed someone to speak in that was older, wiser, and had also recently taken his own father's funeral and so knew the pain, struggle, and like all the politics that go along with it. And so staying connected and admitting you're struggling is literally life-changing. My last two tips as the team kind of come is uh, make some mind boundaries. No sad music 
when you're struggling. We laugh because we know. <laughs> like, why do we want to watch a sad movie when we're, like, really struggling with life or, or listening to really heartbreaking music? And I'm not talking about, oh, I just need to release my emotions. Like, that can be done in a healthy way. I'm talking about active mind boundaries where you know, oh, I'm really struggling. Um, I know this is going to be a trigger point. I need to do X, Y, Z. So I got to the space where um, I would ring someone that made me feel like I had family every time I started struggling. I'd reach out. I still do it to this day. I did it last week. Oh, I'm just really struggling. I need to know I've got people and I've got my church whanau that are backing me in every space. And so my mind boundary, oh, starting to get a bit wobbly, starting to feel a bit difficult. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm sick of teenagers. Only happens very rarely. <laughs> to anyone on the live stream. (laughs) I'm going to reach out because I have this mind boundary. No one else is reading my mind. I'm not expecting a prophetic word to happen to my e-group leader. I'm going to have the boundary in my mind going, oh, I'm starting to feel vulnerable. I'm starting to feel not in a great space. I'm going to reach out. So I've got like these boundaries in my mind where I'm like, oh man, like leading into Father's Day next week, I'm going to talk to someone. Chicken, like as I say, I'm way more freer than I used to be, but I don't want to pretend like I've got everything sorted. So I've got these boundaries in my mind. In Proverbs 17, verse 9, it says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So one of my mind boundaries is I'm not going to dwell, I'm not going to dwell on it. And can I just say, what I love about Church Fano is that it can fill the gap for some of us who are missing our biological Fano. But it's no more perfect than our biological Fano. Sometimes the greatest wounds for us have actually happened in church. And we really struggle with this one, or I really struggle with this one, because they're Christians. <laughs> they should know. But come on, we can choose. Say, man, I know they're just as broken as me. (laughs) They need Jesus just as much as me. I choose not to dwell. I choose to offer forgiveness. My final practical point on how to forgive is the way I've broken this whole dwelling thing is that I've made a mind boundary where if someone comes to mind that I'm angry, offended, X, Y, Z with, I commit to praying for them in that moment. Because if it's Jesus bringing them to mind, well, I wanna be a good steward. (laughs) And so when He brings them to mind, I'll pray God's blessing, His favour, His abundance, that if they're far away from God, that they'd be pulled close, that they'd have an encounter with the living God. If it's the enemy bringing up that person in my mind, or just myself, my own flesh, if my natural response every time is to pray, I reckon it'll stop coming up. I honestly do, because I've experienced that. Come on, because the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus wants to bring freedom. So I'm gonna choose in this moment to trust God and I'm gonna reach out to God and pray His blessing over them. And I've literally seen it stop coming up. 
because it's not gonna trip me up in Jesus' name, because forgiveness works. I am not gonna live as a victim. I'm not gonna live in a way that says the blood of Jesus isn't enough. And so as I'm wrapping up, there's just gonna be um, a photo that's gonna go up, hopefully. This is, um, and hopefully I pronounce this correctly, Kintsugi, and it's a Japanese art form. And many, many years ago, I felt like God, just give me this picture, and mine didn't look like that. (laughs) Mine actually looked like a whole lot of broken pieces. And in this art form, what they do is when pottery has been smashed, they take gold and begin to place it back together. So it's worth more upon completion than it was before it was broken. And I just felt that as we wind the sermon up and we respond to God, that for many of us, our lives not quite in this picture yet. We've got a few broken pieces. Maybe like me, it was just completely dropped on the floor and smashed into like a thousand little ones. But as I keep saying, man, as I've trusted each piece to Jesus, I've seen Him rebuild my life. And now, even though there's evidence still of the breaking, man, what is seen is God's glory and God's goodness. And so this morning, we all need God's forgiveness first and foremost. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned and gone our own way. And in a moment, if you've never asked God to come into your life, if you've never surrendered control of your life, then in a moment, Pastor Jono will lead us through that space because we would love to give you the opportunity to surrender to Jesus. For those of us who've been in church a little longer, This morning, I want to ask, will you allow God the opportunity to put the brokenness of your life together? Will you allow God to meet you at your point of pain? Or will you hold Him off saying, no, no, I've got this? Which I'd like to suggest none of us do. See, God is nothing like my imperfect Father. He's perfect. He's present. He's attentive, and He promises everything works together for good. So if He tells us we need to forgive, it's for our benefit. Come on, instead of building walls, and even I feel for some people right here, it's really easy to go, oh, you're nuts, you're not really talking about that. (laughs) And just build a wall go home and just carry on forgetting rather than forgiving. This morning, just as everyone stands, I'd love to give you the opportunity to respond. There's no shame in saying, man, it's difficult to forgive. There's no shame for anyone who responds this morning. But in a moment, the team is gonna lift up a song 
And if you're like, man, I know I've been struggling in this area of forgiveness. And instead of running, I'm going to allow Jesus to meet me at my point of pain. Then the altar is going to be open and the team would love to pray with you. Not because they've got it all perfect, but because they're hoping to be your community that supports you on this journey. You don't have to tell them all the details. You can just turn up and say, man, Jesus, I'm surrendering my pieces, my brokenness, my anger, my unforgiveness. I choose to trust You. I choose to believe that if You say everything works together for good, then I'll trust that. I choose to trust You. And so as we begin to sing, come on, if you need to respond this morning, don't go home and just carry on living the same way. Come on, I believe that there's some freedom that is on offer at the altar this morning. Not because Jesus can't work in your seats, of course He can, but it's because you are surrendering your pride, surrendering that thing that says, oh no, I've got it, I can do this, I don't need that. And saying, Jesus, I choose you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.